Hey, Mercy Street. Uh, my name is Melissa, and I am grateful to be a part of this community as one of your pastors. Can we pray together? Oh God, you know the contents of our hands, what we've carried in here tonight. You know the contents of our thoughts, what occupies us, what disturbs us, what encourages us. You know the contents of our hearts. And tonight as we gather, God, and as we've already been in worship, as we've already been in prayer, pray that you would take our offering, the contents of our hands, the contents of our minds and our hearts, and we place it in your care. Come Holy Spirit, teach us. Open our eyes and open our ears. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been in a series on the book of Jonah, and we are wrapping that up tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll finish that up, and then next week we're getting a little bit of a later start on this season that we call Lent leading up to Easter. So starting next week, we'll be looking at uh, several of the Psalms. And really, um, you know, Stephanie has been reciting scripture for us for 15 months now, since January 2022. We're gonna take some of these Psalms and, um, and see if we can't kind of memorize them in our hearts. So that'll start next week, but we've been in this series called The Reluctant Mission. And as we've seen, Jonah is um, the poster kid for reluctance. And one of the quotes I shared early on is that oftentimes when we read the book of Jonah, we have become so focused on the big fish and Jonah digging in his heels that we miss the story of our big God, God's mercy and grace and love. Now, we ask God a lot of questions, or at least I do. Do you? <laughs> and those questions sound in different ways. Sometimes it's, God, where are you? Or what is going on? Or, or how long will this loneliness plague me? How, how long will this sickness attack my body? God, what are you doing? <laughs> are you really all-powerful? Do you really love me? And many times when we ask those questions, sometimes we do get a response. I love that the book of Psalms includes many of these questions. They're in our prayer book. But when we ask God those questions, th there's not always a response, but there is always a relationship. You hear me on that? <laughs> there is a drawing near where God says to us, I am with you. But what I want to think about tonight are the questions that God asks us. Now, sometimes we think the questions that God is asking us are this. When are you going to get your act together? <laughs> How many times do I have to forgive you? Why do you cause me such a headache? What are you doing? Now, um, 
To be honest, some of those questions are in the Bible. I mean, God asked of Moses, like, these stiff-necked people. Jesus said to those who were in the rigor of religion, how long must I put up with you? <laughs> but even in that, it's, it's the questions of a concerned parent not of a God that is lording God's power over us. It's the, it's the question of a parent, what are you doing? Where are you? Where did you go? That parent that wants from us to trust and obey because there's no other way. You know that song. <laughs> and there are questions that God is asking Jonah throughout the book. He says to Jonah in the beginning, get up and go to Nineveh. And what does Jonah do? He runs away. Jonah is in Jaffa, pronounced in the New Testament, Joppa, pronounced today, rhymes with Tel Aviv. It doesn't rhyme at all with Joppa. Anyway, he does not go to where God says. He runs to Tarshish instead. He ends up asleep in the bottom of a boat. A big storm comes. The sailors cry out, what is going on? Jonah gets tossed into the sea. God comes to him in a moment of judgment and deliverance, swallows him up, places him in a position in order to pray the prayer, God, my will be undone. Yours be done. Someone told me today, I do this a lot when I preach. <laughs> I did not even know it. Now I'm keenly aware. God causes the fish to spit Jonah onto the shore. In his reluctance, he preaches a five-word sermon. And an entire city of 120,000 people find the grace of God. And then Jonah does this. Kaylin, are you reading? Somebody reading with you? You're going to do the whole thing. All right, give her some encouragement as she comes. God saw what they were doing, that they had ceased their evil behavior. So God stopped planning to destroy them, and he didn't do it. But Jonah thought this was utterly wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Come on, Lord, wasn't this precisely my point when I was back in my own land? This was why I fled to Tarshish earlier. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me, because it would be better for me to die than to live. The Lord responded, Is your anger a good thing? But Jonah went out from the city and sat down east of the city. There he made himself a hut and sat under it in, a, in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a shrub, and it grew up over Jonah, providing shade for his head and saving him from his misery. Jonah was, a very, Jonah was very happy about the shrub, but God provided a warm the next day at dawn, and it attacked the shrub so it died, so that it died. Then, as the sun rose, God provided a dry east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint. He begged that he might die, saying, It's better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? 
Jonah said, yes, my anger is good, even to the point of death. But the Lord said, you pity the shrub for which you didn't work and which you didn't raise. It grew in a night and it perished in a night. Yet for my part, can't I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? It just ends. Like someone didn't rip out the last page of, and Jonah thought, you know what, God, you're right. Your mercy is so good and beautiful. We are left with this image of Jonah with a sunburn sitting on the outskirts of the city, beholding God's mercy. And God asks this question of Jonah, is your anger a good thing? Is your anger basically doing anything for you? Is it producing anything of worth or fruit? And Jonah, is, is my mercy, is my mercy that utterly astounding to you? What is it to you if I have mercy on the Ninevites and on the and on the animals? It abruptly ends with this question. And it's the same way that the story of the prodigal son abruptly ends. We're left with the image of the older son out in the courtyard, the barbecue's going on, the party is happening, and the dad says to the older brother, your brother that was dead is now alive. And basically the question is implied, are you going to come in and celebrate or not? I think the question... God places before us tonight and on the regular is this. Are you going to get up and go? Friends, over the last several years, we as a collective have been in a belly. We have been in a place of, of uncertainty. Some of you in recent days or recent months, you have come out of the belly of the well. You have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And God has provided for us. God has, in God's mercy and grace, not only just kind of held us as a church together throughout COVID and throughout a pandemic and throughout all the things that have, that have tried to pull us apart. God has not only done that, but God has continued to fill up this space with more and more people who have heard the call, get up and go. And yet, as I mentioned last week, within each of us, within me, there is a Jonah that at times just wants to sit and sulk. I shared some of the poetry of Thomas uh, John Carlyle. I'll put another one of his poems. It'll be up on the screen. This one's called Coming Around. And Jonah stalked to his shaded seat and waited for God to come around to his way of thinking. And God is still waiting for a host of Jonahs in their comfortable houses to come around to his way of loving. It was the father who had looked out on the, 
on the horizon, sunrise after sunrise, waiting for that younger son to come down the road, who hope, his hopes were dashed every time the sun set and the horizon got dark, and he thought, well, maybe again tomorrow. Gathered in this room, we are Jonah. <laughs> we are the Ninevites. We are the younger son, the older son. We have so many questions of God. I think the baton that is being passed to us is this, is God's invitation to get up and go. Let me read again from a part of Jonah chapter 4, just to focus in our attention. As, Jonah is ask, as God is asking questions of Jonah, he says, Is your anger about the shrub a good thing? I love Jonah, because uh, I've been there. Yes, my anger is good. It's so good, it's even to the point of death. But the Lord said, you pitied the shrub for which you didn't work and which you didn't raise, and it grew in a night and it perished in a night. And yet, for my part, can't I pity Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their left hand from the right hand? And also the animals. One of the things that keeps us reluctant can be our anger that can consume us from the inside out. I've shared in this space that um, that's just part of kind of how I'm wired, that when I get tired and the reserves are low, I wish I could say I get quieter. I tend to get louder. I get a little more edgy. Willie, last night I was at our HEB, you know, around the corner, and the guy just had a question for me. He said, who's your energy provider? <laughs> and I had, you know, I was making the stuff for the cornbread. I got my buttermilk. I got some milk, had some half and half, do the math, it's a little heavy. And I said, dude, no, don't ask me that question on a Friday night after a long week, I got all these liquids. <laughs> and he doubles down. Yeah, but who's your energy provider? So in a moment of grace and mercy, In my spirit, get up and go. Get up and go and share the radical grace of God. Um, luckily, I got quiet, and so I just started walking away. And then I heard him. He was chattering. To which I turned around. <laughs> Don't start in on me, man. Not tonight. I know, Luke. I... You know, I share these stories not for sermon material or to get a laugh, because I'm trying to let this I'm trying to let this absorb into the deepest place of who I am too. And our anger can be the very thing that that, that maybe your anger like me when when I get tired, man, I just get more mouthy. And what I need to do is I, God's saying, is your anger producing any fruit in your life? <laughs> And I say, yes, it is, <laughs> to the point of death. 
Or maybe for you, your angers, and when you're tired, you just get quiet and you just begin to withdraw. And you get further and further away into isolation. And you can't hear God's question to you, and I can't hear God's question to me sometimes, of where are you? Where are you going? And do you remember who I am? Remember who I am. (laughs) And get up and go. You see, this story of Jonah does not end in the Old Testament. If we turn the pages and we go into the New Testament, the baton gets passed from Jonah to Simon Bar-Jonah. That was the given name of Peter. To then a man named Cornelius. If you want to do some... uh, Extra credit reading, I don't know what you're getting credit for, but if you'd like to, (laughs) Matthew chapter 16 and Acts chapter 10, it's all taking place in the same geographic region. And let me just say that where I'm landing tonight and God's question to us tonight is, are you ready? Are you going to get up and go? Jesus is in Caesarea. It's a town in the north. He's with his disciples, and he asks them a question as he often did. He says, who do people say that I am? And they responded. They said, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Notice they didn't mistake him for Jonah. (laughs) He cleaned that up. He was in the belly of the boat asleep, and he calmed the waves. Anyway, back on track. Some say John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter jumps up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And in the way that God does, God stitches together this narrative of grace from Old Testament to New Testament. And Jesus says, happy are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because no human has shown this to you. Rather, my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And you are Peter. And I'll build my church on you, the rock. And the gates of the underworld won't be able to stand against it. (laughs) Portia, daughter of Jonah. (laughs) Anne, daughter of Jonah. Ron and Ron, the two Rons together, son of Jonah. Who am I? And in that moment, it's before Jesus is going to deny, before Peter is going to deny Jesus, it's before Peter is going to have the opportunity to receive Jesus' forgiveness. Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. And Jesus passes in such a profound way the baton to Peter and to the others in that moment, to us as well. This message of get up and go and go and tell people who I am. And don't tell them with your words, tell them with your life. Acts chapter 10, Peter, he's taking a little nap on the roof of this place where he is staying in a city called Jaffa. 
The biblical writers don't want you to miss this. Simon, son of Jonah, is getting another chance. He's on the rooftop. He gets a vision. There's crawfish, oysters, all sorts of shellfish. And he says, I'm not going to eat that. That's unclean according to the law. And the spirit says to him, Peter, get up and eat what I have made clean. No one can call unclean. And he goes to Caesarea to Cornelius. And he begins to preach, and the Spirit falls upon him. Friends, the baton is passed to us. These are not just stories that we read in the Bible. This is the Spirit of the living God who is asking us questions, who can bear our questions, but is asking us, are you ready to get up and go? So over the next kind of several weeks, what we are intentionally trying to do here at Mercy Street is we're trying to put together some opportunities for us in this community to kind of hear what God's unique question is for you. What does it look like for you to trust and obey because there is no other way to be happy in Jesus? So we have a few folks that are going to be putting together some classes. One of them is going to be called LEAD. It's about love, it's about evaluating where your life is, it's about taking action, and then it's about deploying. We're going to try to put together some ways that we can gather and, and pull the chairs up and kind of say, you know what, how has God uniquely gifted me to gather others to hear about this radical grace of God? The small groups that we have throughout the week are really important ways that we can build in this relationship with God. And so let me encourage you to take a step and to join one of them. Right here on Saturday nights, there are a number of ways that you can be of service. Everything from helping us pack everything back up into the closet to greeting people. I don't know how many people, Robin Martin, how many hands she has shaken over the years, but she has ushered them down that hallway of hospitality so that they can walk in this room, each of us can walk in this room and hold our heads up high and say, ah, the grace of God for me and for you. There's opportunities to, to show up in treatment centers there's just so many different ways. As the sons and daughters and the relatives of Jonah, we're not going to get it right. We're going to be a little reluctant at times. Our anger will get the best of us. But the baton that's been passed through Jesus is this. We are sons and daughters and children of the living God. And God is writing a story and is saying to us, wake up, get up, and go. Take the role of the father who stood on the horizon and just waited sunrise after sunrise for that adult child to finally take the step they need to. Who endured sunset after sunset and just trusted that the relationship maybe, just maybe, could be stitched back together. We get to step into this, this place of, of this story of salvation. And when we end up in the belly once again, when we end up having to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're going to ask God a lot of questions. And God's going to once again extend to us relationship.
Amen? Amen. Amen.